I think the waiting is part of... Uh, like, it, to like, be cooked for this many minutes at of, this temperature. I think that's more Not, relative to baking. Well, I don't know. My stepmom seems to believe that it's very important to wait until the oven reaches its set temperature. No, no, I'm saying, I'm saying that that's probably more relevant to baking. Mm, like, mm. baking is very much a, a science, if you will. Okay. Like, like my mom would be bad at baking because my mom doesn't have recipes. Right. She just... She just lets the spirit move her. Just like, just see, <laughs> yeah. Just like with the uh, with like pancakes. I don't. I have a pretty, um, a pretty uh, refined method of making pancakes mm -hmm. that is not quite yet a recipe and still has some inconsistencies. But the product, I, I would say, is within a certain range. But uh, yeah, like I don't. Are I don't you have recording? A recipe. I just hit record. So the first thing we're talking about is pancakes. Yo, man, I'm hungry too. All right, I'm I am hungry I am too. hungry. Uh, you know, it's just it's just what we do. Um, but uh, I guess I guess we'll just kick it off. All right, we'll just kick it off. Oh, oh, should I should I should I should I drop a drop now or after or after the uh, <laughs> the song? I don't know. I think I want to see what you got cooking. So I got uh, go nothing cooking. Something? I've got Zayla's uh, Zay's first drops. You know, let's see. Let's see how they come out. You, you don't have any intro music. Listen to my bed. There it is. Take off the edge, jump off the ledge, they say Take the laser, aim at my head And paint the walls red, I said I'm crazy, I'm off the meds I'm better off dead, they said I use a razor to take off the edge Jump off the ledge I start tickets to my downfall I start tickets to my downfall I start tickets to my downfall <laughs> Megan, Megan has. I've been rocking Machine Gun Kelly all all day. This new album, Megan wasn't feeling either. She, she thinks I'm having an emo moment. What is this? Wait, where am I? This feels like I'm. This is new music. This is brand new music. But it sounds like high school. It sounds like the stuff that the kids were listening to in high school. That's the best when I part. I was in high school. back to the random apple podcast i think that's the first time in this latest season that i actually said the name of the pod i think uh, i think we're learning how to do it but uh, i know you weren't feeling the uh feeling the intro music you know i'm just uh i'm not a huge fan 
no. of Machine Gun Kelly. Even when he's in that bag? I don't think there's a bag that he could get in. Unless he started making, like, I don't know, wicked R&B. I'd give that yeah, a I shot, I I don't guess. really see that happening. Neither do I. No, I mean, and, and you're uh, you're not you're not opposed to the uh, to the rock and roll. No, no, no I, I, mean, I guess I wouldn't necessarily consider that rock. I guess I'd be more alternative. I guess. Mm, I don't sure. know rock genres. Punk, maybe. Um, no, no, definitely not punk. I think maybe he liked to be punk, but he's not punk. I mean, Travis Barker's um, on the album. Travis Barker is not really punk. I mean, Blink One Eighty Two, like they were, they were more like pop punk, maybe post pop punk. Well, this this sounds like I'm in art class again, and we're talking about modernism and postmodernism. But right now, it's in the in the genre of rock music. Like yeah, it's, it's not hard rock or soft rock. No, but you know, there's like hardcore, then there's like post hardcore. Like Alexis on Fire would be considered like a post hardcore band, I believe. I could be wrong also. Like I'm not like well versed in alternative genres the way I am in like, you know, black music. I'm not even well versed in black music, so I, I got nothing for you there, bud. <laughs> Just joking. No, it's true. But yeah. you know. And I'm not well versed in this either, but this was more the vibes yesterday, so we'll 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 switch, we'll go complete 180 with it, you know? Okay. Where will we go? When the quarantine thing done and everybody touch road. Oh, me, me gonna start, pull up in a fast car, yeah. I know fast start, make you want the fast part, yeah. I know you're feeling me. You know I'm feeling you. I'm sorry, man. She killed us. No, that I was just about to lose myself in that song. were subtle on that one they're pretty subtle yep yeah, they were subtle. i mean man that song sounds like summertime I, like, like a I, night I, drive I, at like dusk right like i yeah. needed that i needed that a little bit earlier but uh i've been yeah. i've been vibing it's been it's been working during the fall drives in you know i got pretty leaves on my driving to work so i feel that too i've been i've been rocking it yeah i like um, that but yeah i mean as we speak and we didn't we didn't discuss this at all uh, prior to the pod, but some foolishness is going on right now. That's the, that's going to des- decide the fate of the free world going forward. And by some oh, foolishness, the, the I mean the debate is I think live right now. Mm. And I don't want to check for it. And and actually, one of the things I was like, I'll just I'll just get like the uh, I'll just watch the highlights tomorrow. But then my thing is like the highlights are going to be chopped up 
and divided and shared depending on which side of the media you fall on. And it's going to be sensationalized depending on... Like, I don't know if I'm going to get a true sense of what took place in the debate without me actually watch, watching the debate. You know, like the highlights and lowlights, depending on which side of media you follow, is going to be skewed. I mean, you could probably catch a, a stream of the... Once it's, like, done, I'm sure you'll like, be I honestly, able to find I, that. I just don't even want to participate. And, like... But it's it's something that's going to, even though it's American politics, not Canadian politics, it's going to be a through point and a defining moment going forward for the next however many years. And we'll see which way it goes, and we'll see if uh, Sleepy Joe and Crackhead Trump can get it together. Uh, yeah. I mean, Crackhead's a bit harsh. Sorry. Uh, I don't know. that. I, I don't uh, think it's... No, 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 because, you know, don't sleep on, don't sleep on what uh, Crackhead Ford was able to do in Toronto, you know. While he was indeed a crackhead, uh, the city did benefit. Can you say crackhead anymore? Can you call people that? I'm saying it. He was on crack. I know, but, like, calling them a crackhead seems derogatory. It probably is, especially in the, uh, you know in the realm of uh, overdose and epidemic and addiction, opioid just, and addiction crises, crises. Yeah. Um, but, uh, I mean, fat people are still fat. I'm one of them. Well, so I should know. Well, I, I think the preferred language is maybe, uh, there's no preferred um, language for being overweight. It's all offensive at the end of the day. There is some preferred language out there in the like body. No, I mean in, in, in the realm of body positivity, sure. But in the realm of what does that mean at the end of the day, it might be less harsh. But I don't know if it's more palatable, or if it's going to necessarily give you some self of sense that's not going to be self destructive or you know self loathing in nature once you truly look yourself in the mirror and come to terms with what you see so you know the the act of semantics at the end of the day you can offend someone in the most PC way possible it's still offensive you know it's still it can still kind of hit a note that becomes more of like an individual thing. Like you can offend the individual, whereas like this particular group has seen, has, you know, picked certain language as I like mean, preferred terminology as, for as right we, now. As we speak about like particular groups and certain languages, crackheads and crack wasn't offensive in the 80s and 90s when it was destroying black communities. It wasn't offensive then. Only now that the um, the opioid crisis is affecting middle class and upper class America is it now becoming a thing where it's no longer something to be demonized you know addiction is is a disease like during the 80s and 90s and early 2000s when crack and these various drugs that were literally put into these communities in some sense and in greater senses by the government and those in power um it wasn't seen as this thing. It was, it was an addiction. 
people were seen as animals. And I'm not saying that's that's how we should view it now, but I'm saying no, it's, no, it's no. awfully, like, it's uh, awfully I, convenient I like that now that it's affecting people within your own environment and community that now it's something that we should empathize with. It's now it's something that we should be concerned about how it's seen and how it's marketed. Yeah, no, I agree. I think for myself, um, it wouldn't be, I'm not viewing addiction any differently um, when it was in the black community, you know, or when, or when the media was focusing on addiction and in the black community in the way that it was framed then comparatively, there is a stark contrast between the two, you know, presentations by way of the media. And I mean, we could unpack that, but I mean, that's probably pretty obvious. Um, but I, th I, when I was thinking, truthfully, when you said crackhead, that that's sort of where it took me is that it's more so specific to, you know, the sections or the percentages or whatever of the black community that was sort of I pillaged by this drug. Um, and I think that was what sort of sparked, I guess, maybe like a, a wanting to be more delicate with the language, just because it's just like, I'm viewing addiction as something that needs to be treated and treated with a level of, um, again, empathy versus, you know, just labeling it um, as just something that people do because they're whatever vagabonds or they they made all the wrong choices and like you know what i mean like i think i was more so just wanting to to be more diplomatic um because of the i don't know yeah i think i just wanted i think i was thinking of how black people have been affected by that drug in particular and and drugs in general and then you know not just black people but just the way that addiction itself it's such a um, I don't know. That's just a challenging thing, a devastating thing. No, I, I understand that. Um, I think my counter to that, and it's not quite a counter, but it's a it's a, a point to be made, at least from my pers my perspective, is: Do you think the individuals, the actual individuals who are most affected and plagued by this, are they focused on those terms being derogatory? So, in saying that, like, is the person that has actually had this addiction looking at being called a crackhead at some point in a way that's going to be more destructive or is it the person who's had a family member who had the crack addiction more offended by the fact that you're calling their relative a crackhead like um there's a lot of people in you know just just in society that are taking up stances and defending things when the actual individuals affected while it could have a negative impa impact and effect, and some may take it to this certain level, but it seems like the broader group that is highlighting these things isn't directly affected and is in some ways taking up a position on something where like it's it's mis it misrepresents what the actual damage is to that community. Mm, yeah, I, I see what you're saying, and I think that there's probably... Uh, a level of truth to that but I also think that the language that is used regarding an issue or a group writ large ends up having 
uh, an impact potentially on the support that those individuals or groups get. So to say that, meaning like referring to people suffering from addiction uh, as crackheads, you know, is it derogatory objectively? Um, you know, you can probably make an argument for or against. And, and yeah, to your point, people who are addicted to whatever drug, but in, I guess in this instance, crack in particular, they probably aren't concerned with like the language that is being used surrounding their, their addiction, potentially. Although I'm sure it could be hurtful to be referred to as such. But what I think is also, uh, I guess, just worth considering is that if these individuals or these groups are referred to by these words or, you know, it, it feels reductive or it feels dismissive or it feels like it makes way for being dismissive of those individuals like oh like it's a crackhead or that person is doing crackhead shit and it's just like it it, it feels like it's almost like a, a mechanism to dismiss the larger issues or all of the moving parts within that community's uh, issues so i think like you know you you change the language and it shapes the um i guess the perception mm-hmm of the general populace and then that would hopefully maybe inspire some level of empathy which could then have like uh, you know an out like a, a like a sort of fallout of sorts that would you know hopefully translate to these people getting support so whether that's like you know basically like if the language shifts and people become more empathetic toward it then you know there may be more involvement community involvement in supporting these groups things like that um or like you know if the right people are now more empathetic towards these issues you know that could lead to funding for different types of support for these for these individuals and these groups so i I think that's why the language is an issue just because i think it helps to avoid being dismissive no I, i understand that i understand that perspective and that point and i agree with it in some senses uh, I think what I would argue, uh, again, not as a, a direct counter to that, but is while language does play an important role in how society, especially in the broader sense, reacts to and treats something uh, and some of these ailments and afflictions and various psychological disorders uh, and you know mental health in general, um, while that that conversation has changed and is progressing seemingly, uh, I think that sometimes we overvalue what a change in language does. I think mm. more than because I, I guess like changing the language then gives you the ability to remove the predispositions that come with those those terms. Right. So crackhead, you immediately will have a thought of, you know, a person on the street acting in a certain way. Like it, it, it kind of removes the negative, abate, negative behaviors that are associated with that term. And kind you of think it removes the negative I associations? It, I, don't, I don't think it necessarily removes it, but changing the language around describing that individual, like not describing them as a crackhead, could leave to the public a broader interpretation of who that individual is and the things that they are going through. 
And while I say that, I think for me, while that may be true, I think to really affect change in individuals and to have the greater public really empathize, I think it, it's going to come down to telling that individual story. So whether they're referred to as an addict or a crackhead, telling that individual story is going to be more important to changing how people perceive them. And I say that in just in my experience just working in the mental health field with people with intellectual disabilities. And if you go way back into our, you know, the previous agency, the organization I worked for, and you look at their, uh, their mission statement, like the word retard was used throughout the mission statement in the early 90s, even to the late 90s, even to the early 2000s. But I think in that, it was negative and it, it was a harmful word. But I think once you work with individuals on that spectrum and who have those mental difficulties, whether they are being referred to as an individual with intellectual disabilities or whether they're being referred to with that previously discriminatory word, um, once you have a relationship and you know these individuals and you know their story, when you call someone that, it doesn't necessarily reflect all the negativity that is associated with that word. I'm not, you know, I'm not kind of uh, explaining how I feel or what I'm thinking completely, but I think the gist of it is there in that I think that there's more power in acknowledging and recognizing and learning about someone than being focused on the, the necessarily definitions of that individual. I think that's the broader point. And I'm not saying that doesn't mean that language shouldn't change and evolve, but I'm saying that the importance that we put on language might be over, might be overlooking the individual. We might be playing a bit too much, you know, identity politics and not enough looking at individuals as individuals. Okay. Yeah, I can appreciate that. I guess, I guess my question would be, how do you facilitate highlighting the story of the individual or the experiences of the individual in a way that is going to facilitate um, a larger involvement or a more significant involvement from, you know, the public? Because I think ultimately when it comes to things like addiction um, or homelessness, you know, these types of issues that are sort of viewed a certain way, in the general population, um, I think largely shifting the perception or raising awareness of the the nuance of these issues or the the density of these issues, I think helps to, um, I think yeah, just to sort of reiterate what I was saying before, I think it just helps to again raise awareness, and I think that awareness helps to. I, I, and on some level, I think you're going to get more involvement, right? I think you're going to potentially see a shift in behaviors towards these groups, right? I mean, if you think about uh, addictions and homelessness, they, they go so hand in hand most of the, so, like often. And you think about the way that, you know, people who are experiencing homelessness and addiction are treated, you know, by the public and by the police, you know, not necessarily all the time by everyone, but often there is this sort of scornfulness that is put upon them. And I think that largely that's 
the byproduct of perception, right? And that perception is probably the byproduct of, you know, the narrative that has been digested for so long. And that narratives come from the media and, you know, proliferated by way of like, you know, just everyday conversation and, and, and experiences, right? And I think it's, again, I just think ultimately the language can maybe be overvalued, but I do think that, uh, it does play a role. So what you said there at the end was, uh, kind of the point that I was going to make next in that, like how these individuals are perpetuated and treated and, you know, kind of shown to us in the, in the backdrop for their story that's given to us through the media, um, kind of dictates how we feel. So the villain, the villainize the villainization of people and, you know, if we look at how the media would portray, you know, often black men, how they're portrayed in movies and what they're, what they are represented as and who they are seen as and how that's been perpetuated through the media, um, is the same for homelessness and mental health and addiction. I think the media, and this is, this is where the media has a responsibility to generate awareness for the public. So like with what they've been doing with the opioid crisis is they've been highlighting these stories and kind of giving you a backdrop to this individual and showing you, you know, who they were before. So I think there is this, this still this level of like a backstory to the individual. Uh, and even in saying that, like what you'll find a lot with people who start working with individuals in these various situations is they recognize the complexities and the various genetic or socioeconomic or even environmental situations that these people are in that create this situation. So even, uh, like Paula, she started working with, uh, like she started working with a, a agency in Windsor that focuses on helping homeless individuals. And while I don't think she necessarily had a, a very negative perception of homeless people before, but the level of enlightenment that's taken place and working directly with them every day has definitely changed her perspective on those individuals. It humanizes them. It does. And that's, that's where it gets to with the story for me. So like watching things like atypical on Netflix, like it's a show about someone who's on the spectrum who has Asperger's and it, it gives you a perspective that kind of shows you the difficulties that the family's going through, that the individual's going through, you know, how it affects everybody. And I think even with mental health now, what's happening with mental health is more and more people are becoming aware of people in their lives who struggle from mental health issues. So it it's humanizing those individuals. Mm -hmm. And and in some ways, you know, your experiences with individuals who suffer from these various ailments could differ depending on how positively or negatively it's affecting you or your family. So someone someone can be related to someone who has an addiction, but it's, it's been something that's been so destructive for their family that they see all addicts in a negative way. So while I do think this, the backdrop of the story is important, uh, you know, the perspective being changed on how we treat these individuals and these ailments and these mental health issues, I think a lot of it has to do with both the semantics of, you know, changing the language around it, but as well as telling the story and having people humanize these individuals rather than villainize them. But I think the media plays a huge part in that. Okay, yeah, no, I agree with that. I think 
I think, yeah, I guess my question is still, because not everyone is going to be in a position where they have firsthand experience or, or, or um, a fulsome enough firsthand experience to where they'll be able to have, I guess, that humanizing interaction. Even though it shouldn't take a one-on-one -on -one experience to humanize these people, their existence in and of itself should be humanizing. But um, to sort of reverse engineer what is already in place in terms of perception, um, how do you facilitate that humanizing on of the individuals? <clears throat> how to facilitate the humanizing of the individuals. Um, well, I mean, the thing is one of those things where like, so let's think of marketing. Like I am not someone who marketers should focus on because I, at least in my belief, I'm not someone who's easily persuaded by marketing or advertisements. Right. Like my, my like for brands is limited. And the reasons I like those brands is fairly limited. It, do, it often doesn't come down to the actual marketing of it. So I'm and going to like that. brand loyalty based on our brand loyalty for the sake of brand loyalty. Yeah. Like the only brand that I, I think I'd ever had any type of like deference to a preference to was Under Armour. And but was that because of the branding or is that because like of your experience with the product? That was my experience with the product because when I played football in grade nine, uh, I was uh, one of the guys, like we had like a cold game and I borrowed his Under Armour sweater to play the game in and it actually fit like it was it was the material was such that it fit over my football equipment. It was it was amazing. Anyways, so it was that and then after that it was like seeing the, the story about how Under Armour started in this guy's, like, grandparents' garage. So it was, like, a two-fold thing. It's, like, it's like, like why I prefer Lamborghini versus Ferrari. Like, Ferrari, and it's, it's, all, it's honestly part of that underdog, menta underdog mentality in that, like, Ferrari has always kind of been this snobby company, whereas uh, the founder of Lamborghini was frowned on by Ferrari and started to build his supercars from farm equipment. Like that is the birthplace of Lamborghini. Oh, so wow, like, I never knew that. Like, so like I, to this day, like, like I don't like Lamborghini. Sorry, I don't like Ferrari. Like it just like, it's, it's a brand that represents, um, I don't know. Like classism. Classism. Exactly. Which is funny because Mercedes is probably my favorite car maker. And I don't know if there's any, car brand that's kind of more classist than Mercedes just in like Fair. the general sense of yeah, prestige I mean, it is a and status, status right? symbol. but yeah but it, I mean even that like that that love came from my dad owning a, a Mercedes when I was younger so it was like it's like okay talk your shit king you know you know it was a, it was a 1979 Mercedes uh what was it a C270 or E270 it was E270 uh, we had bought it from my uh, my cousin's father, and I enjoyed that car. And I had dreams so you, of rebuilding. Your uncle? It. Yes, not directly, but directly, my uncle. Rest okay. in peace. Got it. Um, but yeah, back to the uh, back to the topic uh, on mental health. And so with with the branding, like I think 
like if there's individuals like me where just changing the name of something isn't going to influence them, like some people are going to be unreachable. Some people are going to be, you know, stuck in their ways and stuck in their perceptions of individuals. And while we would like to change their perspective on things, sometimes it's just not going to happen. But I think, you know, the media doing its job and telling the story is, is probably where I'm going to lean on the most. I feel like that's where you're going to actually develop a connection to something else. And that's obviously, yeah, that's one of the reasons I, I see podcasts and these longer format media so important is that, like, it's not sound bites. While you can derive sound bites, if you listen to the entire conversation, there's, there's this natural kind of back and forth. And it's easier, in my opinion, to relate to or to like kind of kind of completely involve yourself or be consumed by a conversation when it is in this natural conversational back and forth. You're seeing two people argue different points, possibly in ways that you would also argue them. So you're then able to kind of draw a better conclusion than like two 30 second sound bites of opposing points. And then, like, just go and make up your mind. And that's why I listen to people that are smarter than me, because they think of things that I don't think of. Like, they're making points that I wouldn't have considered. So, Same. that's what would work for me, personally. The semantics of it are the semantics of it. But yeah. No, I totally agree uh, with the long format aspect, for sure. Um, I think... <laughs> I think I've been best informed by, um, and I think in terms of retention of information, right? Podcasting has been a super, super, super um, effective uh, tool for yeah, sure. Especially like even like uh, like we uh, when Andrew Yang was part of when he was running for the uh, to be a Democratic nominee for president, like watching him in long format discussions is what was the main influence for me liking a lot of what he had to say on various things you know so it's an effective tool very very effective yeah and definitely often not utilized enough but i think that's changing you, you, you don't you don't think so i think it's coming around to that i think it's it's getting to that point but i still think that you know, large media still doesn't necessarily view these various, these new platforms in the same way. And, and I think the part of that, that makes a reluctance and change is that those large corporations are then affecting large businesses, which are then still dedicating their marketing dollars to these various large platforms. Um, so how do you shift that? I mean, it's shifting. It's, it's going to continually shift. And I think, especially as the market changes and evolves, like for them, running an ad on a TV show costs exponentially more than running a pre-roll on a podcast that, you know, 10, 20,000 people listen to. And what's funny is what's, what's happening now is those platforms that were previously valued so much, the number of eyes and people paying attention, because honestly, right now, the entire game's attention. That's, that's all it's been. It's all it's ever been in media it's attention so ratings was the thing and ratings is just your representation of the attention that your product has yeah and it's then paying with your it. eyes exactly so it's always funny it's like well i'm watching tv and the tv is free and it's like yeah but they have your attention so even if it's a show that doesn't have commercials they still have your attention 
there's still product placement within the show. There's like it's it's all an attention based game. But what's happening is like TV and movies, in some sense. I mean, even music and the way it's consumed now, the way it's consumed is different. So you know, if you're paying hundreds of thousands, if not millions of dollars, to run an ad between you know TV commercials, well, I think that lack of targeted advertising is in some sense a waste of money what is what is the roi on that versus a extremely targeted you know whether it's social media advertising but i mean what it's allowed for these these large companies not to focus on advertising on these various platforms is for the the platforms not to yet become overpriced so a lot of new businesses are finding success in it and are able to use these platforms to advertise without it being, you know, as expensive as getting an ad on the radio. Like you can post, like you can run a Facebook ad right now, spend 50 bucks and run a Facebook ad to a fairly targeted audience right now by yourself. Go try and spend 50 bucks to get a spot on the radio. And it's not to necessarily to a targeted demographic. So, yeah. Well, yeah, that, you know, that's this, that's just the random output being the random output and starting on a topic that we didn't even briefly discuss in our pre-show presentation because we actually tried to do that for the last two days and came up with an intro song on my side and the debate, which is kind of top of mind for everybody. So good job with show prep, guys. Hey, I, um, I actually think that what you were just talking about was interesting. Um, I think it's something that we need to dive into even deeper. Just it, yeah. was, it was so, it was so like impromptu and random that like I didn't have the time to develop any proper thoughts on the on the subject. I was just spitballing. I could have said some stuff that was completely out of left field. Let me turn to my dearest wife and see. Did I say anything crazy? Oh, see, she wasn't even listening. She'll listen to the podcast and tell me the. Oh, okay. She doesn't want to listen to me right now because she's going to listen to this after and support me. That's fair. That's fair. I mean, small doses, right? That's all. That's all. You know, before she tries to kill me in my sleep. <laughs> but yeah, speaking of uh, the debate, um, I'm guessing most people probably aren't aware of the uh, throne speech or speech from the throne that was just given by the liberal government uh, last week. No, where they announced, yeah, so, yeah, they announced their agenda or their mandate moving forward, what their plans are. Um, so one of the highlights was just, I guess, doubling down on promises to, you know, really invest in um, early childhood education. So this is a way to you know, obviously educate children from a younger age, hopefully propel them onto a more promising trajectory, uh, but also a way to um, affect the workplace, yeah. specifically having a more engagement from caregivers in the workplace, because now that there's going to be um, this early childhood education system that is going to be funded by the federal government and provincial governments and so yeah i think you know more specifically getting more engagement or, or participation from women 
in the workplace. So that seems to be something that's on the agenda is to, you know, facilitate more women being able to participate in the work in the workforce. Um, you know, hopefully by making things easier for them to do so. Um, so you know, that's something that has been promised for probably decades at this point. But you know, that's what the Trudeau government or the Liberal government is um, announcing as you know, top of mind in their mandate. Uh, they announced that there's going to be a wage subsidy you know, in light of the pandemic, uh, it was going to end, I believe, at the end of the year, and now they've extended it to next summer. For a wage and, subsidy? Yep. And this is going to be for who exactly? Um, well, I think they're supposed to be broadening the parameters for qualification. So I'm not exactly sure who does and doesn't qualify, but it is supposed to be a broader... Uh, set of criteria, same for EI. Okay. So basically, you know, what they're promising to do is just really sort of uh, support Canadians. You know, I mean, it sounds good, right? I mean, even to the point where um, Jagmeet Singh and the NDP, I believe they're going to, because there's a vote of confidence after the throne speech, so, you know, if they don't get support from however many of the the opposition parties, then it would mean that we'd have to go back to the polls for an election. So I believe the balance of power in this particular moment was on the NDP, because um, obviously the conservatives aren't going to vote in support of the throne speech or the liberals politically. It just wouldn't makes sense, right? They're, they are the official opposition party, yeah. and that's just going to be their position. But, um, yeah, I'm pretty sure that the NDP is going to uh, support the throne speech, which means that we won't have to vote. We won't have to go. We won't have an election <clears throat> anytime soon, anyway. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, and I'll, I'll even I'll highlight the industry that I currently work in. Uh, has been has been trying to raise awareness uh, from the federal and provincial governments for that industry, which is the live events industry. And uh, part of that is that even though a lot of businesses are back to work, the live events industry is still pretty much at a standstill. First, first ones to close, and they will be the last ones to open. Um, but it's just. I like I don't know when it's 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 one of those things where it's like it's not something that's kind of seen as important as it is in the economy and the role it plays in entertainment but like a lot of people depend on that industry uh and it's it's dead right now man like when's when's the next concert going to be maybe think, next summer like think about it concerts theaters like not just like musical theaters, like Broadway theater, not Broadway, but like musical theaters. Um, any sort of live entertainment. Any sort of live entertainment. Yeah. It's dead. Like the wedding band I worked for last year, like I, I just, I wonder what those guys are up to. Like, Was I that mean, their primary like job? It wasn't, but I think this year a lot, they, they were, they had 
pretty much doubled up on the schedule. So it was pretty much a two to three weddings um, per week that they were bumping up to. If not okay. that plus corporate events. So, I mean, it could be a full-time job. Um, but yeah, that all got shut down. And what's funny there is like uh, most of the band members were based in Windsor, but primarily performed in the, in the Detroit area. Wedding bands aren't as big in Windsor or in, like in Canada in general as it is in the States. So the market where they worked was in the U.S. And good luck crossing the border. But I mean, all for good reason, though, unfortunately. No, no, I mean, definitely all for good reason and, you know, for the safety of individuals. It's just, it's going to be, it literally will be the last thing to come back. Yeah. Like, that's just... Well, I think that the government is supposed to be issuing um, support for businesses, you know, small businesses, medium-sized businesses as well. So I don't know exactly what the criteria is for that, but I think it's somewhere around... I mean, I guess there was some pushback against the amount, but I think it's, you know, $40,000. I guess they're going to be injecting into some businesses. Um, I don't know if that will affect this industry in particular, but uh, I would imagine that there will be some within the industry that will be able to benefit from that. Yeah, I mean, I hope so. Um, And we'll see. It's, It's one of those things where, like, even if the businesses are opening are opened at like a minimal capacity, like to kind of just open enough to kind of support what they can support right now, mm-hmm. how much staff does that leave? That's kind of just like in the wind. Like, yeah. Right. Well, I mean, I think the unfortunate inevitability is that there are just going to be significant portions of certain industries that. You know, people just aren't going to be able to get back to work in those industries. And so I think another thing is that is supposed to be coming down the pipeline is, you know, uh, funding for training to sort of get people into, um, I guess, new directions in the, you know, hopes of ultimately getting them back into the workforce as well. But, yeah, I think the unfortunate reality is that we're not going to see some things come back for a while. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's all messed up right now. Um, what yeah, I am man. seeing, though, is social media is ablaze. And, uh, yeah. Yeah, this uh, this debate's not going well. For who? It's not going well for anybody. Everybody, uh, at least what I've seen on my, my social media has been... I just keep seeing people saying, like, people in America that I follow, they just keep saying, like, Please vote, please vote. That's all. I, like they're just like pleading with people to go go out and vote. Oh yeah, because there's going to be a level of apathy, and there's there's still going to be the people that think that it's in the bag and they don't have a a reason to vote. Um, but uh, in the bag for Biden. In the ba- yeah, I think there's a number of people that think that Trump can't win. I would hope that people wouldn't, you know, be that. Um, I don't know what the word it would already, be, but it like already to happened assume, once. That's what I'm saying. To to let that happen twice, like back to back, even that wouldn't surprise me one bit. 
Oof, boy. Wouldn't surprise me at all. Man, I hope, uh... Yeah, I hope that doesn't happen. It wouldn't surprise me one bit. But yeah, man, I don't uh, I don't even know where we head next from this. Like I don't I don't know I don't know what's next on the agenda. Uh is your is your sustenance complete over there? Are you uh, are you about to jump into that? Oh, it's already done. You've already taken care of that? Yeah, I've already I've already it's already been handled. Wow, this guy. Ninja. Wow, yeah, 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 exactly. Ninja. Um I guess what else what next I had on the docket? I, I, we kind of handled it all. I had a couple stuff laid out. But uh, I think we kind of got. Oh, did you see the? Did you see the taxes for Trump and Biden and Kamala? Well, Trump we haven't seen, but it's been reported. Well, no, I saw Trump's. Oh, his taxes are actually out there. Well, for 2017, I think was the year. Yep. Seven hundred and fifty dollars. Where did that come from? I don't know. I saw it on Instagram or Twitter somewhere. So who knows if it's credible? But it's the same figures that are being reported on for. Uh, the other three people. $750. He's a crook. He's a crook, dog. Hey, 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 hey. He's a criminal. My family Sorry. are crooks. My apologies. My apologies. He's a criminal. Criminal. He's a thief. And by crooks, I mean last name, not actual criminals. Yes, yes, yes. I'm glad you cleared that up, actually. Some might be, but... Well, you know, it, that's now not the time or place for that. No, no, not at all. Anyways, but yeah, yeah. $750. Uh, Kamala made some bank, her and her husband. And uh, Biden made some bank. Uh, there was Yeah, I was wondering where, like, where is Biden making this kind of money from? I believe he what, had a what book. Is... I think he had a book come out. And then you, you got to know, the speeches, they get paid a lot for those speeches. That is true. Um, you know, being an executive, being involved with companies... Being that close to the White House definitely does uh, give you some uh, cachet within business. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know. As we saw with his son's involvement, Hunter Biden. In, uh, yeah, we're, we're not going to belittle the, uh, the, the seemingly uh, corrupt nature of that. Um, you know, I don't yeah. think you can highlight all of Trump's shady dealings shady dealings not and not highlight that at least uh mm-hmm. but yeah it's 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 all a mess it's all it's all just it's all just going to hell let's just in a hand basket brother in a hand basket and very quickly uh mm-hmm. but uh any any specific thoughts on biden's taxes or kamala's taxes I mean, I think I'm just glad that they paid their taxes, that they paid taxes to that significant amount, right? I mean, right. I don't know if there was any evasion, there's, right? I but mean, there, there's, um, you know, there's there's always there's always loopholes, which I think they didn't even maybe use all the loopholes that were available to them because they knew that's that kind of what it would appear, right? right? Comparatively, them between them and Trump, anyway, yeah. right? Obviously, he used all loopholes available right seventy thousand um, so, dollars to hair is that is that the figure that i had seen that he what's that he had he claimed a deduction of seventy thousand dollars to hairstyling or something like that well he should get his money back on that <laughs> but uh but um i don't know i uh, to me you know i i didn't mind that i may be missing something but i just you know on, on first look i didn't mind the optics of that just from the angle of them actually paying 
taxes, you know, significantly enough. I value I value um, the level of there's at least a level of transparency there, whether or not it's yeah, fully transparent. There's a level of it. It's just like, you know, for those of them that are more left leaning, I mean, Joe is a bit more center than than left leaning, but you know, as someone who is running as a Democrat, um, he and, and and Kamala, it's just like you want to see these people walk the walk and not just talk the talk, right? Like, you, you can't be for this party that purports to be, you know, more for the people in terms of social, and in, in terms of, like, a social aspect, right? Social programs, things like that, and, and health care. Like, all of these um, talking points that are used to appeal to, you know, center and, and left of center people, because those are the values that those demographics hold, or especially the more left-leaning people. And so it's just like, yeah, okay, cool. Like, you aren't trying to not pay your taxes because, you know, if you are a left-leaning person, you aren't against paying taxes. You see the value in paying taxes and why taxes should be paid. Now, I mean, the only thing that did stick out to me, and maybe it was just the fact that I didn't read through it thoroughly enough, but uh, the charitable giving was pretty light to me. We're talking less than 1% in both cases, I believe. Yeah, I was thinking about that too. Like, it's... It's pretty... It's... I'm just gonna... It's pretty disgusting. But that's what they claimed, though, right? I. That's what I'm saying. Is like, they're... They could have been donating and, and not claimed some. Yeah. But Possibly. Then, like, I'm not caping for any of these people, by the way. Like, I am not, like huge fans of any of them i do think that obviously right, joe, it needs to that. be joe Biden. you don't know them you don't vouch um, for any of these people yeah but i guess even just as far as how much you can get behind politicians you know i'm not crazy about any of these options well they're not options for us no. but like um and i'm not even saying that i'm anti having someone in that position that isn't necessarily deeply political just this guy has got to go he got it he got to go no no he's got it he needs to be removed to go yeah he's an idiot he's a goof he's a buffoon he's a boob <laughs> he's a boob you know I'm, uh, yeah he's just he's got to go he's a very very bad man he's got to go he's got to go <laughs> very bad man uh, but uh, you know, as we uh, as we often dive into some music, um, mm-hmm. I know this was this was one of those songs yesterday that you, you kind of caught a vibe off of. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! This is a big, big tune, big tune right here. Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll let it we'll let it Lava. live there we'll let it live there we'll let it live there we'll just let it live there all i will say is uh the song is good but uh you know it's for for you and your lady yes sir you and your lady alone 
What do you mean? Elaborate. Um, you know, what would you and your lady be doing alone? I, I'm, you know, I'm not sure. I'm picking up. We'd what be you're watching down. cartoons. Definitely watching cartoons. Girl, me want for you all, yo Put me arms right around, yo Girl, you give me the tightest Hold me ever Bullet. the thing in my life Put me things all around, yo Girl, you give me the tightest Hold me ever the thing in my song, life Me guide them jam in your care you take it anytime, anywhere In a square, so me no fear Long as a woman, I will be there Me want a girl, me can't wind for me Me want a girl, me can't Also, I'm going super light on the gunshots today My wife, uh, my wife cussed me out properly for the Her poor ears The, the excessive gunshots That poor woman's ears Yeah, I mean I don't think she'll stop listening But, you know She's, she's a supportive she's, she's partner. She's been given ex executive producer privileges, so uh, you know we're we're just we're we're toning them down a, a touch, a touch. Hey man, you gotta sometimes consider you know that type of feedback, <laughs> or or not. <laughs> All right, Egyptian, go on, go on. You know, there's often I told you a bit I saw of... my uh, next door neighbor on Tinder, eh? Yeah, 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 yeah. You did say that. You want to put that yeah. in the pod? We're going to discuss that in the pod? What if she's I mean, a huge fan? I have nothing to hide. No? I, like many single people, use Tinder. I'm not saying Tinder. What if she listens? Oh come on! <laughs> come on! Come on! Come on! Come on! Yo, I don't know. Did you did you talk to Joe this week? Did you tell him what was happening? Joe. Who? They're not bad. Exactly. Exactly. Oh, who? My gosh. Right? You tell him. You tell him what's happening over here. I, I didn't. I didn't. Did I you forgot. tell him about this podcast? Oh my gosh. Oh, he doesn't know. All right. Christopher Martin, tell them. <laughs> You better know by now. I'm telling you. You better know. Did you see their skit on YouTube, by the way? This guy's a joker. No, I didn't actually. No? No. What yeah, happened? It was pretty it? funny. It was, a, it was a little Spotify. A little like they were expecting a, at some, some big money, life changing money type stuff. It was pretty funny. There were laughs. Really? I, I chuckled. They've they posted it on what Joe on Joe's IG? I think it's on Joe's YouTube actually. Oh okay okay. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah. 
So how many episodes are left that for the, before they come back? Or like I think they're back two, next week. Next week. So you know we gotta we gotta get them all. We gotta we gotta just we just gotta go for it. Coming for their necks. Hundred percent. So violently described. Hundred percent. What do they What do they know about Christopher Martin? They might not know. It's not anything. the first, not the last. So, so much pretty girl I pass. And holding on. This song's hilarious, by the way. That's why me I said it's from your heart. Oh love, don't let me cheat on my girlfriend. Oh yeah, I know this one. Cause as far as I can see, she loves only me. Oh Lord, don't let me cheat on my girlfriend. But Lord, if you Stop me from cheating. Just that, don't is, let isn't that so crazy? They just have to pray <laughs> to the Lord. Yeah, that's the funniest part. That's I literally <laughs> need the hand of God to intervene. Right? So that I don't cheat on my girl. It's, that's you know, wild. Sometimes, sometimes it's just, uh, I don't have this problem. I'm good all by myself. Of course but not. But through the grace of God, you are a good he's given me man. a mind, you know, that it's not a problem. Mm -hmm. But... You know, I mean, I think I can just some appreciate people, the transparency of it. You know, he's just being honest about where What's he's at. What's funny is in the, at the end of the video, his girl is hiding a man under the bed anyway. So you know, that's how it goes sometimes. It, it do be like that sometimes. It do be like that sometimes. But know? I mean, what's what? What does Joe know about this either? What, what's Joe? What's Joe gonna say when this come on? Does he know this? Big tune. Where the single ladies at? Not over here, let me tell you that. I have my wife with me. My queen. My queen. Send me yeah, that man. song. What song is that? That's uh, "One Drop" by Tyrus Riley. That's uh, that's a vibe right there, still. You know, it's called one. It's called "One Drop." One drop. Gimme little L I K K L E. Okay. You know, little one drop. You see me? Yeah, man. Yeah, I should. I should probably stop. My wife's gonna make fun of me. I've been, uh, for I've been embracing so, your I've been, heritage. I've been so far from it, though. You know that I've, I'm the accent is uh, it's a, it evades me from time to time. Yeah, same, 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 it, same, uh, same. It, But it you know what? I, I've considered that, and sometimes I've even I think I've had bouts of like imposter syndrome when it comes to my Jamaicanness. But then I'm just like I'm entitled to it. Yeah, but when you go there, just know they're not going to claim you. Just know they're not going to claim you. That's okay, because I love I, them when so I would much. Go, when I would go, my cousins would call me an when alien. When you were there for like six an months? an illegal alien. Yeah, yeah. I was Allegedly. There, I was there stealing their sustenance. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think either way, right? It's just like whether or not I'm like there often. Um, 
I'm entitled to it. It's it's literally you know. And I claim them. I'll claim them. But like the music, whether or not they claim me. Where where are you gonna find music like this? You might never find what you see. So before you're old and weak, give it all you got today. All right, boy. Yo, this this combination is legendary, by the way. Baris yeah, you gotta send me these. Uh, Baris these Hammond songs. and Bujabantan. Send me a send me a track list for all of these songs. All right, but Yo, What's that? I feel like this is not compelling content. It probably isn't, like, but I'm vibing over here right now. I'm allowed. Reel it in. Reel it in. I'm allowed. I'm allowed. Reel it in. I saw the thing go on sometime, you know? I saw it go. But other than that, I mean, we didn't really have a lot on the docket today anyway. So, you know, we just That's had to fair. vibe out for a little bit. Um, yeah, these debates that. are happening. The world's on fire. California is uh, probably still literally on fire. I hope not. Um, I, the news cycle is just so, like, dense, right, that it's just, like, you, I, you forget I, about I, things. I can't even pay attention to it. I, I do my best to stay away like I just I can't I can't do it. I think you I think you do have to like listen to your mind and your body if you're, you know, for whatever reason feeling compelled to opt out. <clears throat> um but I do think that I think part I of my that part be of like my opting out position. is like I I haven't I haven't found a news source that I don't find completely biased. You feel like CBC is biased? They're all biased. They're all biased. They all have their own agenda. So what do you think is CBC's agenda? I don't know. I don't watch it enough to, to have... So how do you know they're biased then? Because everybody's got an angle. How do you know? You don't know that. You, you, you just said you don't even take in enough of their media to really gauge. Not recently. Not recently at all, no. And I think so, I think at the time I feel like you're judging just, them. I am judging them, but they're part of the problem, you know. They're part but, of the problem. But how? I don't know. And maybe that makes me part of the problem too. I think that is part of the problem. Because maybe, I, maybe I personally find CBC to be a pretty credible news source. I'm not saying they're not credible. I'm just saying that there is an inherent pretty bias. objective. And even if the 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 uh, Everyone's left leaning. I mean, except for Fox. Yeah, I mean, but even even within that, like even if they are a more credible, um, and they have more journalistic integrity, that doesn't necessarily mean that the writer hasn't written things in a way that could potentially skew something. Well, I can tell you, as uh, someone with a journalism background, uh huh, uh huh, uh huh, that you, you are have the utmost integrity. That you, that is driven home all throughout any sort of journalism education it is, that like objectivity but, I mean, is paramount it and is. so I think editors 
well, you know, for those sort of publications um, or organi news organizations or, or media organizations that are sort of more, especially like, you know, those sort of historical organizations like CBC, BBC, like these organizations that are more beholden to uh, the sort of traditional tenets of journalism, uh, I do think that you're going to find a bit more regulation when it comes to the way that information or, or, or stories are framed and, and put out into the public or published rather. Like, I think that that'll be kind of curtailed, any sort of like biases. I could be wrong, but you know, when I take in news from these places <laughs> or the, these organizations, it seems to be pretty fair, I would say. Yeah. Fairly fair. Right? I like, mean, I think that, that there is... That might I be think true. That, what's that? That might be true. Yeah, I mean, I think that there is a... a general sort of, like, leftness happening, or what could be characterized as a leftness, or a swaying of left, or yeah. to the left. Um, you know, progressiveness... Our progressivism, like, you know, however you want to characterize it or label it, but I think that that's just sort of the way that the world is going, um, at least as far as, you know, these, these news publications or organizations, I think that's probably more so on the side of things that they'd like to be, because I think ultimately, you know, as an individual or as, like, part of a larger group, you do consider, like, what side of history do I want to be on? And I think... It, like I said, it feels like things are more left-leaning, and I think that that's because, you know, as someone who is personally very left, you know, the politics uh, or left-leaning politics, right, to me, feels like it's more in the interest of the people, and so I think that that's something that fewer people, fewer organizations would want to seem like they're pushing back on. And so, like, you have these bad guys, right, or these bad actors, right, within, you know, just, like, conceptually within the idea of where, like I said, things seem to be leaning toward, right? You've got Fox, who seems to be sort of an outlier in that, like, they they take these sort of antithetical positions on things or, like, their their existence is antithetical to this, like, left leftism, if that's even a word. Right, but I think uh, outside of you know them and the like, most people probably want to be on the right side of things, or what feels like it's the right side of things to a lot of us. Yeah, I mean, uh, but what's the level of social pressure on what's quote unquote right? Significant, probably, but I think that's for a reason. I think like if that's what the people are saying, this is right. Is that Maybe what the that's people what's are right. saying, or is it what people are saying in the public, and not what they're? Because I think that what's happening mm. right now, part of it is like a, a lack of actual discourse to be able to discuss and have disagreements openly um, within a format without being villainized for your view. I mean, I think it depends on what your that, view is. I'm not saying that the view is without reproach, but I mean, I mean, you should I mean, be able to question things, is what you're saying. You should be able to question things. You should be able to 
even if you don't necessarily agree with that particular perspective, I think that you should be able to argue the other side in some sense. I think you should be able to argue the other side, right? I think that that is by definition what dialogue is. But I think for a lot of us, you know, people who are born into marginalized groups or groups that have been historically marginalized or continue to be marginalized, I think, you know, for a lot of us, we feel as though the things that we're arguing for is basically human civility, human decency, um, equality. And so when you push back against that, it it reads as and is potentially an actual literal existential threat. And so I think that's the difference, right? Where it's just like, you know, we can talk about these things as if they're abstractions or they're just ideas. But for a lot of us, this shit feels existential. Yeah. So to push back on the things that we're, you know, arguing for or fighting for, it's, it literally feels like a threat. And so I think that's the difference, right? Like you, you take an issue like, um, a woman's right to choose, right? It's just like, okay, like we can, we can argue about the, whatever, about this, like the morality of this, like, or the perceived morality, or one's perceived morality of this topic. But like, to a woman who is in need of that procedure, right, it feels threatening to be arguing against her right to do with what she wants with her body, right? So I, I, again, right, I think it just comes down to like a, a feeling of a perceived existential threat and in and, and a lot of cases historically and currently an actual existential threat whether that's like to your to one's life or to one's rights right the existence of these things feels threatened and that's troubling you know to put it lightly yeah there's a moral dilemma there that i'm still never going to be able to get over uh with that issue in particular with that issue in particular Mm, okay but uh i sympathize and empathize yeah and i mean i think empathy would go a long way for a lot of this stuff right i think a lot of it is just a lacking of actual human empathy or empathy for your you know fellow man and again i think a lot of times these things are argued on as if they're just abstractions but they're actually people's lives so yeah yeah i'm being i'm being distracted by these uh these debate clips that are coming up i'm also being very very distracted by a number of black individuals who seem to be taking over my social media feeds with their anti-black matters rhetoric you got to unfollow those people, brother. I mean, I'm not saying that there isn't... The organization, I think, is has to be seen separately from the cause itself. Yeah, yeah. definitely. The organization has issues within the organization. But the yeah. cause that's there is different. Uh, but I, I think, mean, yeah, like, to that, de- like, there are bad actors in any organization, right? Like, 
there are people like I just saw something recently that was saying whichever whichever group that was claiming to be donating I think it was bail funds um, they were misusing funds or they couldn't um, they couldn't prove any sort of documentation or provide any documentation for how they allocated any of this money and so it's just like they were affiliated if it, with a you know previously perceived reputable organization so it's just like yeah you call those individuals out and I think that that's how you maintain the integrity of the organizations but that doesn't mean like you throw out the whole cause right you don't throw out the what's that saying the baby with the bathwater or whatever I mean one could argue that your previous pro-choice stance would be I'm just gonna leave it there oh wow <coughs> wow, 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 wow wow I'm just gonna leave that there Wow. Just gonna leave that there. Okay. The point was made, and this will not be edited. And uh, I think that's our cue, though, right there, Jarrell. I think that's a cue. Yeah, you're gonna call it. No, 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 no. That's just the cue for one of the cues. You know, that's just uh, we're just gonna do this real quick, and then we're gonna jump into some uh, some politics real quick. But we're gonna we're gonna do this real quick. You know, just got to do a little palate, little palate cleanser right there. For sure, for sure. Actually on my balcony right now, so I, I, I <laughs> yo man, homegirl next door will be feeling that. Let me tell you. I don't know. I, I have to warm up. All right, you got it. You got it. <laughs> I just think it's hilarious <laughs> that we're just like completely <laughs> ripping off the Joe Budden podcast. Oh, I love it so much. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's just is, shameless, <laughs> just shameless. I mean, that's how you come for the next, right? You gotta, you gotta, yeah, 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 yeah. If you can't, if you can't beat them, beat them by stealing their stuff and then beating them over the head with it because you're coming for their necks, right? Right? Yeah, no, I, I, I feel like I'm being no? bullied right now. No, no I no. don't want to come for their necks. No, 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 no. Let them come like that. No, I feel you. I feel you. I feel you. I'm with you. Listen, I'm with you. I'm ride or die with this shit. I'm gonna stop making this to the end. <laughs> this guy's ridiculous. Oh man, you know we just gotta. Um, we're just gonna listen to this real quick clip, real quick clip.
clip here. Okay. He made a statement about the military. He said I said something about the military. He and his friends made it up, and then they went with it. I never said it. Okay. That is what not he true. Did, sir, he you're said, in this segment. He called Mr. the military Vice, Mr. Vice stupid bastards. I, I and he said it on wait, tape. Uh, he uh, said Mr. stupid uh, bastards. Sir, stop. I would never say I would that. Play stop. It, play it. He, he made a statement about the military. He said I said something about the military. He and his... What What is What is happening right now? I don't know. This, this is very genuine. criticized the, the vice president for not specifically calling out Antifa and other left-wing That's extremist right. groups. But are you willing tonight to condemn white supremacists and militia groups sure. and to say that they need to stand down and not add to the violence in a number of these cities, as we saw in Kenosha and as we've seen in Portland. Sure, Are you I'm prepared to, to do specifically that, do it? Well, I, go would ahead, say, I would say almost everything I see is from the left wing, not from the right so wing. So what, what, what are you saying? I'm, I'm willing to do anything. I want to see well, peace. Then do it, sir. Say I, it. Do it. Say it. You want to call them? What do you want to call them? Give me a name. Give me a white name. White supremacists and right like me to condemn? White supremacists and right boys. Stand back and stand by, but I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what, somebody's got to do something about Antifa and the left, because this is not a right-wing problem, this is, this is a left-wing, this is a left-wing problem. White supremacist, Antifa's an idea, not an organization, oh, you got it, not malicious, that's what his FBI his okay. FBI director Gentlemen, said. Well, then, gonna, you know what? No, no, that we're, done, we're done, sir. Everybody, we're moving on to the next. We're moving on to the next. That's not an idea. Everybody Antifa in your administration. One of these idiots is going to be the next leader of the free world, eh? <sighs> I'd rather it be one idiot than the other, though. ...exception of Abraham Lincoln. My question True. for the two of you is why should voters trust you rather than your opponent to deal with the race issues facing this country over the next four years. Vice President Biden, you go first. It's about equity and equality. It's about decency. It's about the Constitution. And we have never walked away from trying to require equity for everyone, equality for the whole of America. But we've never accomplished it. But we've never walked away from it like he has done. It is true. The reason I got in the race is when those people, close your eyes, remember what those people look like coming out of the fields carrying torches, their veins bulging, spewing, just spewing anti-Semitic bile and accompanied by the Ku Klux Klan. A young woman got killed and they asked the president what he thought. He said there were very fine people on both sides. No president's ever Finish said anything statement. like that. Finish it's, it is who's now, who second, minutes, sir. second point I'd make to you is that when Floyd was killed. When Mr. Floyd was killed, there was a peaceful protest in front of the White House. What did he do? He came out of his bunker, had the military do use tear gas on him so he could walk across to a church and hold up a Bible. And then what happened after that? The bishop of that very church said that it was the disgrace. The general who was with him said he all he, all he ever wants to do is divide people, not unite people at all. This is a president who has used everything as a dog whistle to try to generate racist hatred, racist division. This is a man who, in fact, you talk about helping. So he was coming for Trump's neck, though. He was. He was. I'm not mad at that. He was. <sighs> it's bleak. It's bleak. Uh, nobody but a guy. 
is this? I think you're gonna have to play Outstanding again after that. Oh, it's still it's still kicking in the background. I mean, let's let's just. Let's just... Yeah, I did that, Joe. Yeah, man. I did that, Joe. I can do that, too. I can slow down the track, Joe. You know what else I can do, Joe? See, now you're, now you're, you're, you're troubling the song too much. You know, sometimes you just gotta let it breathe, you know? Sometimes you just gotta let it breathe. Let that, let that bitch breathe. Sorry. Comedy stuff. Comedy styles, yes, the comedy style. Comedy style. The comedy style. What was the last one they were using? It was comedy style and theory the style. Theory style. <laughs> the comedy theory stylings of the theory styling. You know, sometimes Amen. you just gotta come for the next like that. That's all. That's all that happens. Listen, I'm with you, brother. Oh man, um, I don't know. I don't know if we uh, if we gave enough on this episode. I think uh, I think we gave him enough. I'm seeing something something about uh oh, Trump's taxes. Oh god. Let's hear it. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see. What's the most recent report? Trump taxes. Trump taxes. Honestly, we're just not going to know until they're released. And even when, when they're released, we're not going to know. Uh, what? Say that again? I said we're not going to know until they're released. And even once they're released, we still won't... Still won't know? Mm. Still won't know. I'm going to take a hard left. You'll never guess what show I've been watching. I started watching last night. Family Guy. No. Um, Will S- The Fresh Prince. Martin. No. Uh, the Good Doctor, which is a great show, by the way. I'm trying to get my wife to watch it. She refuses to do it. Why? Because uh, I watched the first season without her, and then I stopped. And I said, I will not watch season two until you catch up. That was four months ago. And I just saw a clip of a recent episode, and I am itching to start watching the show again. But I'm trying to be a good man. You know? But uh, You'd Be a good man. Yeah, but I mean, I don't have any shows right now, and it's it's kind of top of mind. But I'll I'll let it go. I'll let it go for now, for now. For now, I'll let it go. But yeah, what are you watching? What are you watching now? Oh yeah, um, I, Golden actually, I, Girls. Golden Girls. Oh wow. Then what's her name? Thank Diet? you for being a friend. What? What's her name? Diet. Betty Betty White. Betty White. Betty White, the God. No. You know there's an over-under on when she's going to die, right? There's a, like a, a betting website that's betting on when... Uh, well, it's it's for all celebrities, but... It yeah. seems like it's in poor taste. Probably is. Actually, yeah. fun thing about this song. The, the, the song that is a theme to Golden Girls was not a song that was made for the show. 
It was what? actually previously a hit, if I'm not mistaken, in the early to mid 60s. Uh, and then uh, I don't know if they offered to buy the rights to the show, but instead of doing that to the song, sorry, they just had one of the actors sing the intro song. So they didn't have to pay royalties. Wait, the the theme song is performed by one of the actors? Uh, it's sung by someone. It's a, it's a cover. It's not the actual Thank song. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Oh, she can't get mad at me for this. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a Loudest gunshots of my life. I Those are my I girls. I couldn't find the volume. Yeah, run that back. Run that back one more time. Oh, we trying to run it back? All right, I got you. I got you. I got you. Rewind selector. Yeah, man. Sorry, pull up, pull up, pull up, pull up. Thank you for being a friend. I did that. Travel down the road back again. Your heart is true. You're a pal and a confidant. And if you threw a party, invited everyone you knew, you would see the biggest gift would be from me and the car. Classic right there, eh? Cult classic. Yeah. Yeah, but Timeless. Uh, the uh, the original the original uh, author of that song was Andrew Gold from his album All This and Heaven Too, released in 1978. I was way off on the decade that was released. Considered in the pop genre. Considered in the pop genre. Uh, Let's see. Uh, da, 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 da. Let's see if we can. Well, you know, we can give him a little bit of the original, if it's if it's still out there. Oh, let's go. Let's go, Andrew Gold. Thank you for being a friend. Yeah, I, just, I can see why they didn't use that. Travel down a road and back that ain't again. this here um we're gonna have to play something to brighten the mood my god that was that was awful that, that was not great was awful um wow wow that was ass wow um i want to know which of the the actors was performing that uh i don't remember. in the in the theme song version let me see if i can uh who who sang the cover Golden Girls theme song was sung by <clears throat> That song was apparently just a little throwaway thing that took him about an hour to write. Sounded like it. Yeah. 
peaked at seven on the RPM top singles in Canada. You know, made, made fifteen. Uh, I mean, twenty-five on the Billboard Hot 100 in its day. Um, mm. I'm just trying to think. Like, where's the? Where's just give me just give me the information. Gosh darn it. Jeez. But we're gonna you know while while I look for this we'll uh we'll bright we'll brighten the mood just a touch here. Just a touch. Jeez. At least play some good music. Ooh. No, no gunshots on this one. You can't put gunshots on this one. Alright, we'll, we'll bring it all the way back to the top then, Selector. No air horn? No? Mm -hmm. No drop? You gotta just let this rock. Just let this breathe? Alright, I see you. Also, like this, the backstory for this band and their oh, disturbing... all the like intertwined dating. Oh, it's 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 something it's messy. Else. What's that? But song? it's me but it makes for good art. I mean, the "Go Your Own Way" song. Uh, that was them breaking up. Pretty much, uh, there was another song about. Uh... Oh man, what song was it? But she was talking about. Um, hooking up with like one of the one of the lighting guys or something like that. It was wild. Oh wow. The theme song wasn't sung by one of the actors. It was sung by Cynthia Fee, who I believe oh. is working, working on the show. But she—I think she's a jingle, a jingle artist. Oh, Art. so she's probably racked up then. Yeah, man. I think we're I think we're gonna leave it there. Uh, you got any sleepers? I mean, any nappers? You got any nappers? <laughs> this guy is disgusting. <laughs> I mean, you said. To, I mean, you just took Maul's line right there, so you know. Um, what Maul? What line? Disgusting. That's 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 Maul's. That, you know. No, Maul says that's crazy. No, he says this guy's disgusting. That's a Maul. That's a Maulism, if there ever was one. Well, I'd like that edited out in post then, because. All right. All right. I see you. I see you. Yeah. What's the what's the sleeper going out on then? What's the sleeper we're going out on? Hmm. Hold on. Give me a minute. Give me a minute. All right. I'm a, I'm a, I'm gonna do my best to come up with one. I gave up all my uh, gave up a lot of my goods during uh, during the intro. You see? You see me? You know? It's uh, it's uh. Let's go. Uh, let's go old school. Let's find a let's find a little little track from the heritage. But we're gonna let this breathe. Okay. I got second. one. Play us on 
right, what you got for the sleeper? What you got? Okay, so this is one that I had on repeat a little bit uh, a couple days ago. Uh, it is by Total, the 90s R&B group Total. Um, I'm trying to think what people would know them from. They were on that May song, What You Want. Yep. Uh, love that song also uh but this is a song off their debut project self-titled total uh and it's featuring notorious big it's called can't you see can't you see so this is this is one of the new old joints this is brand this new is old brand music new old music i see you i see you yes sir all right let's run it give me all the chicken heads from pasadena to medina bet big get in between you then the prognosis doses blends and bends like twizzlers biggest fit into hurt what's under that skirt who filling them with octane got them gassed up about to get blasted up son the last one heard the mother brother miss him i seen it when he kissed him at the wake made his body shake the high guy in eight fit the this week that's a that's that's a right good for sure that's a for good one sure for sure yeah man um man 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 i had all that time and i was you know i you got, just got lost got, in the got, vibe got lost eh? in the vibes but you know we're gonna take it right back to the heritage we go we go we go bear us time on you know sweetness okay bear us mm-hmm can this be really true? Oh, how I wish I had you. What up, what up, what up, what up? I wonder what the guy is upset to. Hey, honey, I seriously hope what they're saying is something true. Big tune. Hope they tell you you've got heaven in your eyes. Nothing, no. And if they didn't call you sweetness, and if they didn't call you niceness, and how about you, good dumpling? Then I guess they didn't call you nothing, no. No, 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 no. 
vibe still that's a vibe still big tune mm-hmm, i like that um yeah that's a joint bears hammond you can if you if you put a bears hammond playlist on you're gonna go through all the emotions and you know just all that sounded like one of them ones right there that, that is that's one of the all-time favorite ones but you know jp unless you got anything else to tell him you know what we got to tell him mm. Life is a series of moments and moments past. Oh my god! So let's make this one last as if it's all that we have. Keep us in your prayers. Lord knows we need them to we need to be there. In the meantime, Arrivederci, I bid you adieu. Hasta la vista. So long. Goodbye. Deuces. You should be ashamed of yourself. (laughs) I am. (laughs) Okay. But we gon' you know, we out here. That's a fact. You would stay longer Just a little longer Bright up my life like Disney World would See ya, yeah, yeah. I wish you would stay longer To make me stronger and stronger But just like magic you were gone See ya Oh my does I need more time Oh the stay in on me world I want you right to know me life Make it listen like bird Just a little more time Oh the stay in on me world I want you right to know No, we can't let it end there. I wish you would stay longer. Bright up my life like Disney World. I wish you would stay longer. A pure big tune, you know? Mm-hmm. But yeah, Are you still recording? Oh, we just ended it. That was the end. That was the end of the end. <laughs>